Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 75. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I'm also the host of this podcast, and I've been a full-time digital nomad since 2017, where I've lived and worked in 44 states. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription. You want to start grabbing it now. They're not going to be free forever. And you can start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while you're still working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Andrew and Sarah, and we get to find out what it's like being newlyweds, even though they had to cancel their wedding. And now, on the upside, they're on an epic road trip. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Andrew and Sarah to the show. How are you guys? Good, good. Thanks for having Very us. Good. Yeah, thanks, Damien. I'm excited to have you guys. Where are you in the world right now? Uh, right now, we're actually in my home state, Michigan. Um, we are up in the uh, northern area uh, on Lake Michigan and Charlevoix. So is that like the, uh, the middle finger of the mitten? Like where? Cause I always, um, I it's the just west of the middle finger. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's so much better than just west of the Mississippi. It's just west of the, the middle finger. Awesome. Do you guys consider yourselves a uh, part-time, full-time, sometime? Uh, full-time right now. Nice. What are you guys uh, traveling in? We are in a uh, Airstream base camp, uh, the 20-foot one, and we're towing it with a, a F-150. Nice. Okay. Well, when did full-time, you know, start in your life? Uh, We officially took off in March. Um, So kind of this idea had been percolating uh, probably since we met. Um, And then, um, you know, just kind of with uh, being able to work remotely and kind of some of the flexibility that comes with that, um, you know, we quickly ordered the base camp. Um, it took about six months to come in. And then in March, we got started. So you're part of this group that just went crazy in 2020 buying uh, these RVs. And uh, that's awesome to hear because it's funny. I keep thinking there's going to be so many people that are buying them that are never going to use them. So I'm excited to hear that you guys are kind of full time. So before March of 2021, uh, let's go back to real quick and just talk about where you were living, what your life was like, and maybe even if you can remember how the conversation sparked to go uh, kind of full time. Yeah, so um, we we met on Bumble. Um, Andrew uh, was intrigued by some of the travel photos, you know, that I had posted. And then on our first date, we just like uh, kind of endlessly chatted about our different adventures and some of the trips that he had been on to Alaska and Montana and abroad in Europe. Um, and I had just gotten back from a year long backpacking uh, trip uh, to South America. Um, and then I think just our relationship formed from there and, um, we got engaged in, or, well, first we went to our first trip together was a camper van trip in Utah, uh, around the mighty five. Um, so we did all, uh, five parks in 10 days, uh, in a sprinter van, uh, which is close quarters for, you know, people who just started dating, but, 
um, we had a blast. And just since then, we had talked about, you know, potentially moving to Colorado or, you know, kind of, you know, setting ourselves up virtually so we could do van life a little bit more permanently. Um, and then we got engaged on a road trip in Spain. Um, and then COVID hit, obviously. Uh, we moved to Florida because we had the flexibility uh, to work remotely. Both of us did. Uh, and Sarah's parents have um, housing down in Florida, so we were able to go down there and, and save on the money, uh, save on the rent. We're uh, originally from D.C., so the rent's really high, so we went down there. <laughs> Spent the summer down there um, planning our wedding, actually, and uh, we had to cancel the wedding. But for the wedding, right before the wedding, we had kind of decided this is this is our chance right now. We're both able to work remotely. Um, we had been talking about a, a camper van trip for a long time. Obviously, it's evolved into a, a travel trailer trip, um, but we... Uh, we were, like you said, we were some of the uh, folks that decided in 2020, this is our opportunity. We were some of the later bloomers to, uh, to that idea, at least in terms of uh, getting our Airstream. Um, so we, we ordered it in October, uh, thinking that we could probably take off in, in January. And um, they were backordered with this vehicle uh, six months. So we were just, you know, kind of biding our time. We were hopping from uh, house to house. We went and spent time with Sarah's uh, sister in Kentucky and my mom in Maryland and uh, just waiting for the this Airstream to come in. And uh, finally, in, in February, it was ready to go and we hit the road in March. Very cool. Now, did you guys, besides the, you know, like the 10-day trip, hey, do you had either one had RV experience in the past? None whatsoever. We still don't have that much. <laughs> Just learning. My parents had a used camper when we were little. Um, and they, too, had never really had a camper before. And we just had this one very comical trip to Traverse City um, where I remember there were fireworks going off. I think our dog like dinged the hitch on the camper and it started rolling down the hill. And after that, my dad sold it and like, you know, just said never again. Um, but yeah, just a pretty, you know, funny experience, but, um, I guess it didn't deter me from giving it a shot. <laughs> That's very cool. I mean, I think I'm going to clear my throat for a second. Hold on. <clears throat> I think a lot of people that have RV experience in the past don't go full timing because kind of the weekend experience is really rough and draining and straining for a lot of people, you know, remembering all the things you need to bring to then, you know, it takes a week to kind of unpack and you need a vacation from your vacation. So I almost feel like the majority of my guests don't have RV experience, which I think is a hindrance for people launching into this life. They think they need to know and understand it but it's funny that I remember my first apartment or my first house I didn't have apartment or house experience and it wasn't scary into going into that and so it is funny that I find that majority of my guests don't have RV experience um, especially you know like weekend stuff so it's great that you guys got out there it is amazing the industry I mean uh, like even Airstream is I believe under the Thor umbrella that 
it has something like 14 billion with a B in back orders. Like oh I just, gosh. yeah, like it's, I don't know what the average, you know, RV costs. If you look at their entire portfolio and, you know, I was just, it's going to be a while for a lot of people to get the RVs if they're backed up that much for sure. So you guys are lucky if you guys got them. Uh, Airstreams are fantastic. They're, you know, I mean, they're a little height restrictive for someone that's like me, that's six, seven. Um, but they're amazing rigs. How are you guys enjoying it so far? Good. We are both uh, five seven and below, so uh, we're, we've not hit the six foot seven ceiling. So you might have a it might be a little cramped for you in here, but uh, it's it's uh, twenty feet, sixteen feet inside. Um, we have uh, kind of spent the last three months trying continuously downsizing from the amount of stuff that we brought. Uh, and Sarah's, I still have like a duffel bag of clothes that Sarah needs, wants me to get rid of. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's been a process with that. It's obviously been a, uh, incredible learning experience, but there's, there are so many people out there who just cannot wait to help you. Uh, when, when you go to campgrounds, uh, if you're boondocking everywhere we go, somebody wants to help you. And that's been amazing for us like the first time i dumped some guy came right up and i was like hey is this the right thing to be doing i watched youtube but is that is that right uh and he was super helpful wanted to walk right up to me while i'm dumping you know our waste um and then we had people help us like backing up the trailer i I had a like a boat growing up but uh that was a long long time ago and i hardly even remember uh backing it up so it's been that's been a learning experience it's only 20 feet but it's still you know when you're first learning to back stuff up it's a it's been fun yeah the first time we boondocked uh we pulled in to a blm area and it was a little bit tight you know there were quite a few rvs and vans there and and we're a little shy and we also want to respect people's space so we kind of looped in and we're gonna loop out and you know, someone just came up to us and said, come on right in, you know, there's plenty of uh, spaces to park and, you know, don't be shy. So uh, just like an incredibly, incredibly welcoming community. Yeah, it really, it's funny that, you know, I remember all that too. And it's, it's only been four years, but it is funny that, you know, when you get to your like three and you're like completely comfortable and you're rocking and then like, people see you back in and they want to come and help. And it's like, you know, I've backed in 980 times. I've got it now. We're good. Uh, that part is kind of delicate later on when, you know, it, it, it actually becomes disruptive. It, you get into your rhythm. I mean, Nikki have like just our system and we do it. I understand her signals and, you know, and it's just funny, but it is a really great community. I love the kind of the call out to the boondocking etiquette that you guys saw that it was crowded and you were going to leave. Um, and then you obviously got called back to be able to stay. I, I think the one thing, especially with boondocking is, you know, I've been in areas that's just five miles. There's no one and someone will park a hundred yards from us. And I'm like, I, what, <laughs> what is that? Like, I mean, Andrew, you'll relate to this. There's like guy code with like urinals. You know, if there's 10 urinals, you don't have to use the one next to me. You right know? Next. Yeah. And yeah. it's, that's what I always think of when I see people parking. But when things are crowded, we were in Lone Rock during the holiday. We have not done a holiday in a very popular place. All of that goes out of the window. Like people just don't care about their personal space. They want to make sure people can get in and experience the weekend too. And I love that about the community as well. Um, so it just sounds like you guys are nailing it. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of people get really kind of stressed out and freaked out in the first couple months. 
Um, but it sounds like it's going pretty good for you guys. Um, now I will say, I mean, both of you guys mentioned your height, five, seven, uh, six, seven is great until you stop playing basketball and then it's absolutely useless. Like there's no reason to be, it's the stupidest thing to be this tall without basketball. Like it's just dumb. And I love Airstreams. I've just, have always looked at them. I mean, it's amazing. Something like what's their stat? Like 75% of all that have ever been built are still being used today. Um, yeah. it's just phenomenal. And you guys mentioned a little bit about the downsizing and especially clothes. I would say coming from DC clothes were probably kind of important and stuff. And just take me through that process. How's the downsizing been for you guys? And is it more painful, less painful than you thought it would be? And what's it teaching you if anything? It's, it's been a very iterative process. We obviously moving to Florida, we, uh, uh, we didn't need all of the furniture that we had. So like my sister had just graduated college. We gave her a ton of furniture and, and stuff that we were no longer going to need. Um, at least while we were down in Florida uh, and then moving around, it just becomes a hassle. So we've, I think we've probably had like eight or nine trips probably to Goodwill and Salvation Army just to get rid of the, the clothes that we have. Um, it's harder on me. Um, Sarah seems very willing to part with her wardrobe and, um, she's very hard on me when it comes to getting rid of my clothes, probably cause I have twice the amount of clothes and four or five times the amount of shoes that she does. So it's, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're getting there and we, um, uh, we just made another round of giveaways and, uh, I think we're almost there. Yeah, it's it's been good because we we were kind of able to shed in layers, uh, like Andrew said. Uh, the the move to Florida was kind of that first layer, layer, and then kind of bopping around from Florida to my sister's house and his mom's house. Um, each kind of stop, we kind of realized, uh, you know, what else we could kind of get rid of. Um, and, but then still, I mean, regardless, um, it always seems like, uh, you end up with more stuff than you think you have, (laughs) um, during a move. So when we got into the, um, officially got into the base camp, you know, everything fit, um, but it was, you know, very cozy and we're using like every little inch of storage that you possibly can. And then, you know, you kind of realize how, uh, exhausting it can be, you know, each time you want something, you're kind of, um, constructing and deconstructing the bed, et cetera, um, to get to things. So we've kind of learned over the last three months, kind of what clothes are we really wearing? What are we not wearing? Um, what are we kind of, what did we, you know, have aspirations to use, but we've, you, we've never used, um, I lived out of a backpack for a year. So I think that's why it's easier for me to kind of get rid of clothes and things like that. Um, But I will say I probably brought the most ridiculous thing in the Airstream that, that we, you know, didn't need, uh, which was a kitchen aid. Um, I thought stand up mixer. Yeah. 
I thought I was going to be like the RV pasta queen after seeing um, just some of the chefs um, go off in their their airstreams over the last you know year. Um, but that that never happened. So <laughs> you're not the first to bring something that you thought you would use that you don't end up using. I do think you did absolutely had a head start on Andrew with the backpacking for a year. Um, it really does once you get into it. And I'll tell you, Andrew, it does get easier. I was a, a clothes shoe horse kind of guy myself. I mean, I had just had a ton of stuff, and I just like just having white V-necks and shorts. Like that's it. Like I just know that that's when I that's like my go-to. I don't have to think about it. And a fun little hack. I hate men- mentioning that I learned this somehow watching Oprah. I don't know when I was watching Oprah, but if you clothes that are hung up, if you hang the hanger backwards, like just pick a month. So you know like right now, and then you say to yourself, okay, December, if any of those clothes are still hung with the hanger backwards, then we know that we haven't worn that in the last six months, and then you get rid of that stuff. Um, And same thing with Post-its. You put Post-its on everything. And if you still have a Post-it on this pan a year later, then you haven't used that pan in a year. There's no reason to keep it, which none of us have learned in Bricks and Sticks. Like, that's not a thing. If you have a garage, you just fill it with stuff. If you have a room, you fill it with stuff. And it's just a different aspect of this lifestyle. And I definitely are, appreciate Andrew great. being honest too, that you had the majority of the clothes and shoes. I don't think a, a lot of guys would admit that. I appreciate you because I, I was there. I think um, that is a great tip, but the first thing we're going to have to do is go buy some hangers because <laughs> we just have everything kind of folded and lumped into our um, storage cabinets. areas, cabinets. Yeah. There you go. I think it's like rubber <laughs> bands and post-its are things you can do like where you, you can noticeably notice if you've used it before. I mean, I, when I find something, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know I brought this. That's my cue to be like, if you didn't know you brought this after four years, you can get rid of it clearly kind of a thing, you know, and it's, it's awesome. I'm glad it hasn't been that stressful for you guys. What's been the travel schedule like, you know, since you launched in March, like where have you guys, where'd you guys launch from and where have you kind of been? We, um, launched from Florida. Um, so we got our Airstream, uh, in Tampa uh, we stayed, we did the overnight there and then we pretty much took off, um, you know, since there were delays and things like that, we were super eager to just hit the road and, and get going. Um, in some ways we already felt like we were behind, um, but we headed straight out to San Antonio. Um, so it was quite a long a long haul for our first uh, first drive, um, but it was smooth. And and then from San Antonio, we went to Big Bend National Park, um, and that was kind of our first, um, you know, outdoor adventure. And then from there, we've we've hit uh, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Colorado, and and parts of Utah. Um, and then now we 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 made the the long haul all the way back east again for for a wedding um, to visit family and and um, it would be helpful to let you know that we are trying to pack in as much if you can't tell we're trying to pack as much as we can into one year that's kind of our that was our current plan that plan you know may shift um at some point in time but 
we started out with a goal to hit the national parks, and then we found ourselves in New Mexico and loving everything that wasn't a national park. We still love the national parks, but we love all the other wonderful things about the cities in New Mexico and uh, the, uh, State the parks national and- forests. I mean, we're just... there's just way too much and we're just really we really tried to pack it in we are still following our uh kind of predetermined route uh and i imagine we'll do so but it's just been um you know it's three months and we've hit i don't know eight or nine states already yeah Yeah, so we, we move pretty quickly um andrew's currently working monday through wednesday Um, And so then we have the Thursday through Sunday to explore and that kind of dictates, you know, when, when we move. Um, So we might move, sometimes we move, you know, he, we're stationary during his three work days and then, you know, we'll move on a Thursday, we'll stay for four days somewhere and then we'll move again on Sunday. Um, So kind of, we move every three to four days and then there are certain locations, you know, um, either, you know, we, we just, uh, energy levels yeah. wise, we need to stay somewhere for longer than three to four days. So, you know, we'll stay 10 days in one location or something. Yeah. I think when we launched, we did something like, I don't know, 24 States in six months. Um, and I think we were on that one year kind of timeline. Like we're like, Hey, let's do this for a year minimum. And I think I was trying to get over to Boston for something for work. And like at the last minute, my work kind of was like, Hey, you know, why don't you just fly in instead? And we had all these pre-plans and it just, at that point I was like, you know what, let's slow this thing way down. Like it's funny a year, not even a year ago, probably two years ago when people said, you know, what's the minimum? I was like, I would do it for two years just because, I think in the two years after that kind of rush six months have been amazing. And I think we did pretty much half the country and did longer stays, did some short stays too, but just not to the point where it really felt like a a grind. Um, Like we're at a state park here in Oregon and we're here for two weeks, but I have to move, I think three times in the two weeks, uh, just in the same park, you know, just because people have reserved it for a day or two and the spot that I'm in. So then I have to move around kind of a thing. And I, yeah. I look back to, you know, when I first started, that would make me exhausted. It's not a big deal now. I'm kind of used to it. But I just would be like, I can't believe I have to move and I'm in the same park. Like, I should just be able to stay still and not worry about stuff. And so I think it's, do you guys have an end time? I mean, I know it sounds like you have a minimum of a year, but is it like open-ended? Like, if you're still enjoying it, you guys are going to keep doing it? Or is it you guys are already thinking, like, we want to figure out where home base is? <laughs> <laughs> that's a it's a very hard question because uh i have permission from work to do it uh through march 2022 so i will not be sharing this podcast episode with my work <laughs> um, but, but uh we've you know we've kind of we because we are rushing around we've talked about maybe uh slowing it down going to certain places for a month two months uh come next year. Uh, but we've also talked about, you know, uh, settling down somewhere. So we're really, we keep taking it day by day because we just have no idea what, what tomorrow will hold or what the next place will, uh, make us feel like. Cause we're like, maybe this could be a place for us. Yeah. I think we've, 
I don't know, just been so excited about the places that we have been seeing and able to see. But people people have kind of given us that advice of, oh, don't travel too fast. Um, and then, you know, maybe out of naivety or eagerness, you know, we just want to see it all and squeeze it all in. Um, but I think, you know, even just having traveled for three months, like we've both already recognized that, you know, we'd love co- to continue um, life on the road for as, as long as we could make it possible. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's sad that too, that I think a lot of people feel like it, it's like full time or nothing, which is weird to me. And I think, you know, as I look at this will probably be the year that I buy property somewhere and just set up a home base for the RV that if I need to come back and just knock out work for a month or two and then hit the road, I'll still consider myself very much rootless, I guess, in a way, because I can do wheels up if I need to. It's not like I have to go to a storage yard and pick it up and then put things in it. You know, I'll still be living in it. Even if I built a house, like it would just be so easy. And I think a lot of times people put this like unfair, like, let's just do it for a year or two. And I understand the work situation, Andrew. And then we'll get rid of it and then we'll get a house. And it's like the hybrid is what's really attractive to me in the sense that, uh, you know, I could have a place away from people and then just get in the rig and go visit people. Um, I do want to like transition the work really quick. I, you know, again, it sounds like your work won't listen to this. I, th- I find it odd that <laughs> I think it's great that you have a three day work week. I really feel like, I think it's Henry Ford that came up with the five day work week and it was such a scam for all of us. None of us should be working five days a week. And, if anyone yes. that's working for me or with me hears this, I'll never, I'll never even have someone that has more than 25 hours worth of work a week. It's just, that's insane. If they want to work more than the hours than that, that's fine. But on another job, but um, if, if they evaluated it a year later and they're like, wow, Andrew is so much happier. He's such a better employee. We don't really notice a difference because he's stationary during the three days that he's working for us. It's just weird. They have an opinion. You know what I mean? Like that's, what's weird to me. Because they're not saying where you can, because if you decided to go, you know, move to Texas and get in an apartment, they'd be okay with that. It sounds like it's probably far from where they are. It's just so weird to me that this dynamic that companies aren't understanding when you're remote, as long as you're doing the work, where does it matter where you are? Yeah, we, I mean, you've seen a, we've seen a tremendous shift, uh, obviously, in the last year. We're, our, our company, we have a small company, so they're worried kind of about, culture and what you know slippery slope with opening the doors and not having people in the office but um there are obviously a lot of people are more productive uh on the road at least in our office um you don't have to pay for the space in dc obviously that space is pretty tremendous but in our nature of work some people do need to come in so it's kind of they're in a, a really tough place i uh as a as a worker right now kind of feel a little empowered in that there are a lot of companies that have recognized a lot of the benefits of work from home whether it's uh fully work from home or in a hybrid manner um that that creates a lot of competition uh for workers and um i i feel kind of we've been tremendous i mean our lives have been completely changed just by what has happened over the last year and um we're very, very lucky to have, have gone through that. I, I can't imagine being a decision maker at a large organization though about, about workers. 
Yeah, and I think so far, like, we've both been extremely fortunate in, you know, how how much approval and understanding we have from our yeah. work, not just our work, but also our coworkers that we work with day to day. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, kind of just, you know, with, we're, we're just extremely grateful for that, that support and this opportunity and, and, you know, willing to see how it evolves. Um, Cause I think we're both really optimistic that, you know, it will evolve in such a way that, you know, we'll have some, some level of flexibility uh, like Damien, like you said, it doesn't have to be full time on the road. Um, but, you know, at least part time, um, I think the work life flexibility um, that, that we're going to see, you know, come out of all of this is going to be a positive change. Yeah. I guess my advice to you, Andrew, is if you ever do get like a home base, and I, I know that's what the RV is called, so maybe that's confusing. But if you ever get a house yeah. and you get out of the yeah. RV, make the RV your office. So your background's always the same, no matter what yeah. meeting you're in. And so they're like, hey, I thought you weren't on the road anymore. No, no, I just I just use it as an office. I get away from the house. And if you do decide to travel, they won't know the difference. They just think you're in your office. So <laughs> there's a little scammer hack for you. No charge. Um, no, I really do hope that companies – embrace it more. Um, I think back to just even the companies that I owned and how much I was paying for rent in Los Angeles. And obviously it wasn't a thing to have people work from home. And I would have done that in a heartbeat just because our meetings could have been emails and, you know, it was just so much money into rent and everyone commuting and sitting around at the water cool and talking and wasting time. And, it, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get their kids when their kids are sick. It's just like, it doesn't make sense unless you're in retail and you're, you know, customer facing. It doesn't make sense. Can I ask what you guys do for a living independently? Uh, So I work for a uh, trade association in D.C. So we do lobbying and we do, which has traditionally been Uh, face-to-face. I'm in the communication side of things. So I uh, do a lot of marketing for our like uh, trade show conferences, that kind of stuff, as well as some advocacy communications. Gotcha. And I work in technology consulting, um, so mostly for federal clients. Um, but yeah, I'm actually currently my. I'm fortunate enough that my my work allowed me to go on a six month leave of absence. Um, so I'm full time, full time um, <laughs> travel. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, but yeah, but a three-day work schedule and then with you kind of being off right now, Sarah, that's got to make it a lot easier. I, you know, when I left, I was working for someone and again, it was sales with commission and I was working for a conference. And so it was just weird that they had an opinion if I wanted to move my, like, honestly, I'd be stressing working for them knowing I have to move my rig three times in the campground during the week, even though, you know, going from a camp spot to a camp spot won't take more than 30 minutes, you know, from setup to breakdown. But I'd be stressed, of course, that's when my boss would be like, we need to talk right now. about <laughs> Nothing, you know what I mean? But that's just, and it's just so great not to have that stress anymore. So the three days is, you know, kudos to the company for that to be a thing. Um, well, let's transition into kind of explore then when you guys aren't traveling and when you're not working. What are you guys doing for fun? What do you guys – and it sounds like national parks are a big part of what you guys love to do. I, I just want to throw a little, like, 
curveball into that. I just got done doing a bunch of national parks. And it's funny to me that if they don't put a fence around it, that people don't seem to want to go to it. And I mean, I just got out of Utah and I, I, yeah, you know, the arches are really beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful national park, but there was so much just off grid hiking that I really felt like this is so much better because there's no one here. Um, But I totally get the whole, you know, wanting to go to national parks and see them. But it's just so funny to me that there's mountains that look just like the one over there that's got a fence and, you know, a $29 fee, but nobody wants to come over here and just hike on their own. But what do you guys like to do for exploring? Yeah, I think we've spent an equivalent amount of time, if not more, in kind of the state parks or BLM areas. We're right outside the national parks. Yeah. I mean, like, to your point, it's like they put the fence around it, and then some of the really cool stuff is just right outside of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, like we talked about earlier, we're trying to do it all so there's a lot of really cool stuff in the national parks obviously and it's just kind of that you know that like a collector somebody wants to have visited all of them so that's that's in the cards but we're also we we've been right outside of some of the national parks in utah uh in arizona i mean just some really incredible hikes with no one there we just uh listened to one of your previous podcasts where somebody talked about the toadstools hike and uh, just outside of Kanab, which was just awesome. And we were the only people there in the morning on a, I think it was a Saturday. I don't know what, it, it was just the most incredible experience and we were all alone. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, totally take your point. Uh, we're just trying to, we're trying to do it all. And that's, that's, that's what we do for fun. That's kind of consumed our mm-hmm. uh, outside time, outside of work. Yeah, and I, I actually, I was talking to my dad about this the other day and, you know, kind of, you know, that uh, back and forth about, you know, do we squeeze it all in or do we travel slower? Um, it's kind of similar, like, do we, um, you know, opt for a lot of the free activities because, you know, a lot of it is is free hiking and, and things like that. Or do we, you know, go all in and, you know, go hard on these excursions and things like that. But, you know, that could be really expensive. And then, you know, our budget won't last as long as as we hope. Um, So we've tried to find a good balance in that where, you know, we did some kayaking in the Rio Grande. We did horseback riding um, in the Rocky Mountains. Um, and, you know, coming up, uh, we'll have some pretty fun activities in, um, in the upper peninsula of Michigan that we have planned. Um, so kind of sprinkling in things like that without going overboard. And then I'm also a big foodie. Um, so we're trying to find the right balance there too, between kind of, um, you know, going out and experiencing the local restaurants and culture versus cooking inside. Um, so always try to pick like one or two restaurants in an area um, and then do, you know, try to save some money doing that. Or make, or make it ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I feel like um, the amount of hikes that I've done on this lifestyle and, you know, living in Southern California my entire life, there are amazing areas to hike there. 
or there's like quick little drives and you can go to some amazing parks. I just didn't do it. It wasn't like really a thing. And I, and I enjoy it. I always try to tell people the earlier you can go, the better. And the farther you can go, the better, because I feel mm-hmm. like most people want to go like mid afternoon and do less than a mile. And it, even when we did the arches recently and we got there really early. And as we looped that eight mile kind of hike back, it's like, nine buses got dropped off like it was (laughs) unbelievable how many people were there and i remember just thinking there's so many other places you guys you don't have to be crowded like if i showed up and was that crowded i would have bounced i'd have been like nah it's not worth it let's go you know and they're shutting national parks down now too like midday they're just like they're they're so crowded and i talked to a ranger in utah that talked about how you know five years five years ago not that long ago you could go to horseshoe bend at sunset and maybe there was five other people and now there's you know two three four hundred people that are there not necessarily to experience it which i think is sad i think they're there for the photo picture Mm -hmm. you know because even at lone rock if you guys have ever been to lone rock people literally drive up they get out of their car if they get out of their car we had someone that didn't just drove over our fire pit so they could get a better view and took a picture of lone rock and then left and I'm like, How? yeah, we, we were just there as well. And, and kind of saw the same thing. And even people like whipping out their drones and, you know, I mean, you really don't get the full experience, um, you know, unless you stay for yeah. a few nights. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got into a pretty good argument. I mean, not really at six, seven, there's not a lot of arguments in real life, but the guy was flying his drone and he said, it's, you know, it doesn't say that you can't. I'm like, it's a national park. You can't. And second of all, you do see all the helicopters that are flying around to do the tour of Lone Rock, right? And he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, they can't react. During the conversation, two airplanes landed. Like, and he just looked at me like, all right, maybe you're right. I'm like, bro, yeah, there's a real reason that they have these things. And especially in, in popular areas, if, the, you, if they can do a helicopter tour, do not send your drone up. Like, just don't. It's, yeah. That shot's not going to be worth it. There's, and I think the whole Glen Canyon area is close to drones, and um, the dam is right there, so close to Lone Rock. So, Oh, yeah. People do it. I think when we went there in 2017, there wasn't a drone rule. I remember looking it up, and even back then, like, your drone will, like, you have to say that you're going to fly it, you know, without it. But I, I, it's funny. I recently purchased a, uh, a 30-foot, like, extendy lightweight pole. I could just put my GoPro and put it up 30 feet and almost get that drone looking shot without, you know, sending my drone up. Cause with a magazine publisher, I want to be careful that I'm not obviously breaking any kind of commercial rules with a drone. But I thought even that's going to be really cool photos and there's no chance right. of anyone getting hurt, which is great. And drones are, you know, I like my drone too when I'm by myself in BLM land and there's no one around, but they're not the f- funnest thing to listen to. So, but it's funny yeah. that you guys notice the same thing that I'm kind of noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys bring kayaks or do you guys, I mean, obviously I'm not going to say, I can say that you rented horses. That's going to be easy. But do you guys have kayaks with you? Or you just rent them when you need them. Uh, we just rent. Nice. We have, we have some bikes, but no kayaks. I, I recently got rid of my bikes and just bought some, uh, e, I mean, got rid of my kayaks, sorry, and just bought some e-bikes because I felt like I would use my bikes a lot more than I would use my kayak. And if I need to, I can rent the kayaks and I already, I'm really excited about it. I mean, we just got them. Um, and I think it's going to be a game changer for just our own little like excursion into some of these small areas. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had, uh, we had three bikes actually. And we just offloaded two because we, we had one that we were storing inside of, uh, 
the base camp that we had to take out every time we uh, arrived at a new place. And that for us was three, four, even five times a week, sometimes depending on where we would go. So it was just the most annoying thing to have. And we're just like, we can rent the bikes if we're using them. And I've like, I've been a, a avid biker for uh, quite a while now, but I've just kind of resigned to, to running just for the convenience of, uh, I mean, I still, we still have a bike here, so I can't say that, but um, you just kind of make do and in, in, in small spaces, it's a little bit more rewarding to have uh, the free time rather than kind of like the setup time and the converting and, you know, dealing with some, somebody asked me if I would take the wheel off the bike just to make a little bit more space in the bed. And I'm like, no, I just, I want, we need more time. Obviously, if you can't tell from what we've been saying already is that we're just trying to do it all. And time is very precious. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense if you are on someone else's timetable. It sounds like you guys have to do a lot of this before March of 2022. Plus, obviously, Sarah, you've got some time off. So the the doing things fast makes sense. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to make, make you guys feel like, hey, 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 you have to slow down. It's a rule. You guys have some conditions that make it where you kind of have to, and it's better to get it in than not get it in. And, and you know, later on, you can always go back. We've done quite a few states a couple times. I mean, I think we've been the Lone Rock four times, you know, just because we love it so much. So there's yeah. always that as well. Um, is the bike? How, a- do, you, oh, sorry, how do you handle those high high winds at, at Lone Rock, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the good thing that we're. I mean, I did see so many people lose awnings where you know, especially the renters. I feel so bad because I don't think the companies really talk about like, hey, you need to bring your awning in when you leave. And yeah, we we hit some really gnarly windstorms and saw so many awnings and then it brought up the conversation about litter like where someone was saying how it's ridiculous how people litter and we all litter i mean i will admit i litter i will have something outside wind will come it'll take it to the point where i can't get it and that's why i always pick up other people's trash not out of uh you know like because i just know it, it pays itself kind of forward there's nothing you can do wind is the funniest thing i've lost all kinds of stuff you know and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I really felt bad for some of these renters where not only are they getting stuck in the sand cause no one's telling them where to go, but their awnings are just getting turned to spaghetti and they've got to like rope it and take it back and pay a big fine. And they straight up told me that no one told them when they're gone, they should bring it back in. Um, right. and, and honestly yeah. we had never yeah. been there in crowds. That was our, I think in the times past that I've been there, maybe 15 other RVs max and, this we were there for Memorial Day weekend, and I want to say there was probably close to 800 RVs there. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, and then full on medical, you know, what is it called? The medical helicopter, medvac, even to the point where someone got injured and just a zoo. But it was kind of an experience that I haven't had that I wanted to have. I will never have it again. I'll leave that available for the weekenders moving forward. I'll, I'll go find a a quiet little BLM place to to be where no one is. Uh, yeah, being from the East Coast, yeah. that that wind and, you know, desert sand combination was definitely something new for us. And, um, yeah, just kind of learning to, to live within the elements uh, is an interesting, um, just something that I guess we um, didn't think that much about before we kind of took off in the RV but it's, it's made it exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember hearing a story about Zion, the, the gentleman that discovered Zion 
from the East Coast. Like he was one of the first East Coasters to go out there and he either took photos or drew photos and like sent it back and people thought he was full of shit. They thought he was making it up. Like there's no way there's canyons like that and sand everywhere. Like they literally thought he was just a liar. And I thought that's so funny. So it's kind of funny, just even your own kind of East Coast, even though you obviously see photos and see videos, you know it's realistic. It's still different when you get out there. But it sounds like you guys enjoyed uh, the West Coast, which is, you know, I, I've, I find a lot of people are very unhappy with the West Coast that have never been to the West Coast. And that makes me laugh all the time. Like, just just go to the PNW, go to California, enjoy it for yourself, and then tell me what you really think. Because I guarantee the memes you've seen have nothing to do with the reality. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, all through those things are really good. But one of the things I like to do before I kind of let you guys go is the the high-low of this lifestyle. This is something, um, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I used to do with my kids. They were about 10 years difference in age. And I just wanted them to see that no matter who you are, you kind of deal with some of the same problems. And so we always start with the low. It can't be internet COVID or flat tire because those seem to be pretty common. But what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe besides having to get rid of, you know, half your shoes, Andrew, what's been a low that's just been tough for you guys? I think we've, you know, kind of uh, revealed that a little, a little bit in that just kind of the packing and unpacking for us. Um, you know, we, on our, on Andrew's days off, we really like to try to see it all and, and stay active with, you know, hiking and different experiences. Um, so, you know, after kind of long days hiking, etc., you know, having to do the packing and driving and then unpacking when you get to a new destination um, and then kind of doing that, you know, every three to four days or so, um, you know, has been a little bit draining, but we're actually uh, on the plus side, you know, three months in, I feel like we have our bearings a lot more and we're really looking forward kind of to the next three months. Um, Cause we feel like, um, you know, it's going to go a lot smoother. We're getting a little bit faster. We have our routines now and we know who's doing what on the checklist. Um, So uh, kind of that's been one of the negatives, but definitely something that improves over time. Yeah. And in the same vein, uh, and this is probably something that you'll need to add to your list because I'm sure everybody tells you this, but parking uh, particularly in like BLM areas or when you're boondocking and we were in Sedona at one point and just driving around for a long time and kind of in the night, like getting lost and not knowing exactly where to turn, even though we had set a dot on the map on where to turn. And um, it's really been a, um, it's been the toughest thing. Like I'll even be very open about this, like for our, relationship and just learning how to communicate with one another it's it's just such a revealing thing and i think it i think it's and maybe this is turning into a really good thing but it's been it was initially a very tough thing uh to, to work out but when you learn to communicate with one another it's actually it's ended up being a good thing so i don't maybe i swung that around no no it, it- i think that yeah the our I don't want to say fight. I say that in quotation marks because it's not really a fight, but our, our biggest toss-ups are happen when 
when we're parking or when we can't figure out where we put the keys. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, you know, learning to laugh about those things and just, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a crazy stressful yeah. moment, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, no, I agree on all that. So like for me, I li- I literally worked sitting on the couch with a fold out table. So every time I had to work, I had to, you know, unpack my backpack with my laptop. If I was having a podcast, I had to bring all the equipment out. And I did that for three years. And just last year, I invested into an actual desk with drawers, with power in the drawers, with a monitor that'll go behind the desk when we move. So my setup and breakdown of my desk is minutes now. And it's money well worth spent in the sense that it is stressful to have to do that, especially if you're on a quick kind of move schedule. One of the hacks I've given some people sometimes, it's one of those, I didn't really think I should ever do that. Um, And again, it depends on what size tanks you have. But anytime I stay anywhere less than three days, which is, I can go about 18 days with my tanks if I really had to. But within three days, I don't actually connect sewer until I leave. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I have to take everything out to connect mm-hmm. the sewer and then I have to put it away and then I have to pull it out and then I have to disconnect that I just, I just treat it like, even though it's at my campsite, I just treat it like it's a dump site. And mm-hmm. I noticed that, especially after a long drive, the last thing you want to do sometimes is set up sewer. And it just, those little, little hacks that I've kind of picked up that you'll pick up that work for you guys is what makes it just so much. And there are ones where you're like, I can't believe I didn't think of this the entire, like, I can't believe I just didn't build a desk day one. Like <laughs> why do we need seating for eight? You know, it made no sense. And then I will, I would definitely want to get to your high, but I will say this, and this is a scary thought. This lifestyle will either cause you guys to break up. Okay. That's the bad side of it. Or it'll cause you guys to never break up. And that's how I really feel. Like it's like an early test. If you can make it through RVing and close quarters and a lot of the stress that kind of comes with the lifestyle and, you know, just those high lows, then you guys are set for life. You know what I mean? Like I just you know, I've been married twice and I've never had that kind of stress or communication that during those marriages that you have in an RV life. And so, you know, as long as you guys can push through, you're golden. Like it's nothing can stop you guys. You know, if you've RV'd together, backed up into a tight little spot together with no real turnaround, someone parked half in the road that they won't get up and move, you guys will be fine. So we, uh, we were in the Rio Grande doing that canoe trip and the guy called it a divorce boat. So we thought getting through the divorce boat, you know, somebody's steering and the other one's kind of pushing and you're always kind of blaming each other for the steering and not pushing and all that kind of stuff. So we thought getting through that was, uh, was enough, but yeah, point taken on the, on the parking and just logistics and all that kind of stuff. It's been, it has, I think it's really you know, helped me in particular with my communication skills. Oh, I bet hundred percent. Me too. Like, and I think there's a lot of guys that won't admit to that, but I think it is all around, you know, you just learn to, it just changes you and it's hard to describe on every level. Let's go into some highs. What have been some highs in this life that maybe you just didn't expect? You know, I know you guys talked about just how helpful the community is, but what's something else that's just been a real high for you guys? So I think also something, you know, just very obvious. I mean, you know, people kind of hit the road or or live on the road because they want to see different places. Um, So just that ability alone, um, you know, has been an extreme high for us. But kind of aside from kind of the sights and you know, the wildlife and just, you know, beautiful scenery we've gotten to just absorb ourselves in. Um, Kind of coming home every night, 
it's been a very like weird feeling because I'm I'm quite like the worrier, you know, any kind of creak or noise. I'm like, what's that? Who's that? Like someone's out there. <laughs> um, but it's not been like that, you know, much at all. Um, you know, we come home and whether we're at a campground or we're BLM, you know, we're we're in all of these just incredible places. Um, and then like, once we have our, you know, routine at night, it's, it just feels kind of magical that like, it feels like home, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that, you know, that's a pretty big high for us that, you know, we can be on the road and we can be all these wild places and we can still feel like, um, you know, we're centered or we have, you know, that, that place you know so i cannot top that um (laughs) what i was gonna say was just you know there there have been a couple moments where we are outside at night and when you're not around a city the the vastness of this okay this is totally not as like nice as what you said the just we were outside Big Bend. I mean, the darkness of the sky and the vastness of it and like just seeing the stars and being out and feeling just feeling free and not like I'm I'm living on top of other people or, you know, right next to other people. It's just been uh, we're open and we can always decide where we want to live and uh, see what we want to see. And I guess the whole thing's been a high thus far. It's only been three months, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we have our our general map round uh, routed out, but really we can decide week by week. We decide the details, you know, sometimes day by day, uh, which is so different from our life living in the city where, you know, you had to schedule a a happy hour two days before otherwise work would take over or, you know, traffic, um, you know, public transportation and things like that just wouldn't work out. Yeah. I think it is a different, you know, me coming from Los Angeles, it's such a different aspect of this lifestyle. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, both of you, especially Andrew in the sense of just it being so different in a way and just the feeling like I, I didn't realize how anxious I was, you know, growing up in Los Angeles and just having that kind of like, you just have to be like on guard, you know, being there in the eighties and stuff, just, you had to be on guard. And even to the point, like where, when I first started this trip, I locked everything up, like everything got locked and everything got chained down and all this kind of stuff. And I remember when I was a beach cruiser, I was trying to get rid of, I thought, you know what, before I try to get rid of it, let's see if it gets rid of itself. And it was just kind of a test I was doing where I kept parking it like further away from the RV. And then one time it got moved back closer to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I was like, this lifestyle is so different. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Things do go missing. It happens, but it's not like big city life. And it is weird when you start to, for me, I've calculated in my head the amount of time I spend waiting in lines looking for parking, waiting in traffic, um, just the stress of all the meetings and just trying to get around people and get to stuff. And I just can't believe I did that for almost 40 years in LA. And I'm just so glad not to be in that anymore for sure. Yeah. Yeah. LA traffic is way worse than DC. So, (laughs) 
Yeah. And, oh, man. And, and, was, and, and where, where you guys have it kind of lucky, too, in D.C., is that when you walk around, it's not like you're a complete freak show. You walk around in L.A., people are pulling over, and they're asking if you need a ride. Like, you know, it's like, no, I'm good. I'm doing this on purpose. Are you sure? Okay, bro. See you later. You know, but in D.C., at least you could walk and, you know, like hide amongst the tourists if you wanted to. And kind of, a, you know, we're screwed. So where can people find you guys? Are you guys doing anything on social media? And if so, let people know where they can find you. Folks, I will list all this down in the show notes so you don't have to write it down. There'll be a link down there where you can click and find them. But where can people find you guys? Uh, definitely Instagram, uh, at Hitch Adventures. Uh, not adventurers, but adventures. Uh, and we're also on, oh my gosh. Sarah's so much better at this. We want, we want to redo this part. <laughs> okay, do it. Go ahead. Sarah will do it. Um, yeah, so we're, you can find us on Instagram at Hitched Adventurers. Um, so Hitched Adventures was taken. So Hitched Adventurers <laughs> is, is where you'll find us. Um, and we do have a YouTube channel that's Hitched Adventures as well. Uh, that we're just getting started on. Nice. Well, I'll link that both down below. And, you know, Andrew and Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your kind of new story. I mean, I think we probably will do some sort of recap at some point, especially with someone that I'll consider, I hate the term, so I apologize, newbie. Um, it'd be fun to come back, you know, getting close to like February of 2022 and just see where you guys are at, see how things are going and, uh, you know, what has changed and just do like a quick little segment where we bring a bunch of, the people that have been under six months that have been on the show. So I just want to thank you both for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Andrew and Sarah for coming on the show. And I really hope it inspires anyone that is thinking about hitting the road. And maybe you're thinking it's too early in your relationship or too early in your marriage to go out on the road and be in close quarters. It's not. Go for it. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links, and if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living Podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living Podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out, and if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.